tonight on Unsolved Mysteries. Image of Guadalupe, Stahl's paintings, Biker in the Vet, and Donut Murder. Co-host Crystal. And I am your other co-host, Robert. And this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Crystal, there's all sorts of No, wait, that's not the lead-in that we're we're gonna we're we're making 2022 predictions. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. I, yeah. I was gonna We are making 2022 or re- or resolutions. Or resolutions, yeah. I I have a highly specific resolution related to this podcast for 2022. Okay. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, using this as a platform, uh, I would like in 2022 to be declared a suppressive person <laughs> by the Church of Scientology. <laughs> because I know no media outlet, no magazine article, no journalist too small for them to come and get angry at and declare uh, declare them an SP. So if I, I, f- I figured if I just lightly rail on the Church of Scientology throughout the year by by 2023 i'm declared that's my resolution i i feel i feel you're kind of in the sweet spot to accomplish that resolution because the mm-hmm. the church the church of scientology still has the resources to you know search out any negative uh, stuff but at mm-hmm. the same time they have so many enemies now that they can't do what they did you know a few decades ago where they could kind of just Mm. like throw all of their hammer might against people one by one and crush them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, the, mm-hmm. like they, they don't have the resources to hammer you out of existence because there's countless no. others now doing they the don't. exact same thing. They don't. I mean, I'm not, I'm just asking questions, <laughs> um, which apparently is discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the first obvious question, right? Where's Shelly Miscovich? Where's Shelly? You know, and I'm kind of hoping if I keep just like throwing that out, that's going to be enough to be declared. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. I, 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 I'm glad that you've picked a resolution that will require some effort, but it's not like boilerplate typical like most people. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. stop drinking someone's caffeine or whatever. Oh, yeah. no. Come on. I no. guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's funny when, when um, I saw you make a post mm-hmm. about wanting to be uh, de- declared an SP. Um, mm-hmm. What came to my mind, I think my res- resolution for 2022 is I want to be declared mm-hmm. an SCP. <laughs> Which is? Oh, you haven't heard of SCPs? No, I don't know what SCPs oh, are. Oh, this, um, well, this is actually, this will be one of the rare occasions where our chitter-chatter before the segments actually is kind of supernaturally, supernaturally, supernatural. Hmm. Um, hmm. I only, I only heard of these, um, from a co-worker of mine many many months ago it was something that he was interested mm-hmm. in uh i'm see here how best to describe them they're like i guess kind of uh akin to like creepy pastas okay in that it's a sort of a it's an internet urban legend mythy thing yeah like slender man like slender man yeah okay SCPs, like, there are all these sort of different, you know, stories about supernatural-like stuff 
they they all belong to this collective mythos that there's this organization, the SCP, that uh, tracks these things out to uh, to contain to contain them and lock them up. I think these were all just sort of like one, just different things that people collectively on the internet have 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 written up and they're they're cataloged mm-hmm. uh, 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 online and whatnot. And so there'll be stories about like one of those like tragedy comedy type mask things, but like when it, when it's mm-hmm. put on some, it, it, but it's sentient. And when it's put uh, on someone, it controls their body. I mean, that sounds like a goosebump story. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so in being declared an SCP, what are you the monster or are you authoring? Yes. I would like to be collectively lumped in. Cause it, it's not like they're not like all like monsters. There's just like, uh-huh. Anything that's sort of vaguely supernatural, um, uh-huh. uh, like people with like some supernatural, uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm confused. Are these are these just what does SCP stand for? And are these just scary stories people are writing, or are these things people believe actually exist? This is not like people believe they exist. It's just entirely just people, you know, trying like, what what kind of entry can I make for the SCP, you know, files mm-hmm. and, and, you know, come but up with. But what does SCP stand for, though? Do you know? Uh, secure, contain, protect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why does, what does that, what, uh, well, <laughs> what does that have to do with what the thing you just told me about? <laughs> well, well, it, it's like the, 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 uh, the MO of the organization is to like to secure these things away to contain them so they don't harm other people. And I think in some ways Uh kind of to protect the things themselves, because sometimes, Uh uh, or, or, I mean, like the, sometimes the protection runs both ways. Maybe, maybe with the more malevolent things, it's more one-sided. It's like protecting us, but you know, um, you know, there, there were, uh, there, there's, there's more, um, benign sort of things that you know that like well, actually one of my favorites sort of like as sort of an insight to like the relationship between humanity and these sort of things one of the items that's that's locked up is this mm-hmm. bottle with these pills in it mm-hmm. the pills will cure anything that someone's suffering from mm-hmm. but there's only like 50 of them and they can't figure out how to make more uh, mm-hmm. And so they just keep this thing locked up because of fear of what would happen if people learn these things existed, you know, like, like mm-hmm. people, anyone who's who maybe has a, a, a loved one who's, uh, in, you know, suffering will, will like perhaps commit murder or, or, or who knows what mm-hmm. crimes to get a hold of one of these pills. Um, ah, so I see. So um, have you. Are you familiar with the comic or the show Doom Patrol? I've I keep I've heard of heard of it and I hear that name a lot in recently. Okay. Um this sounds like the Bureau of Normalcy. This SCP business. Okay. And if anyone out there knows what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. It sounds like the Bureau of Normalcy. I, I take it in this show called Doom Patrol, there is a bureau mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. just tries to like keep the uh, su- supernatural mm-hmm. s- stuff from getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. basically the idea. Yes. Yes. That is exactly what the Bureau of Normalcy is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's to keep the freaks locked up, uh, basically, or other such magical objects. 
Like, um, anyway, go watch, everyone go watch Doom Patrol. It's insane. It's the most insane television show I've ever seen. And it's just the highest form of camp. And uh, anyway, uh, speaking of camp, though, this was a pretty campy episode. Right. Fun Solved Mysteries. Uh, an episode geared towards the Easter holiday. Mm-hmm. Now, we're recording this on January 4th. I think that's what today is. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to fast forward a little bit into the spring holidays. Happy Easter, everyone. <laughs> Happy Easter. And um, we'll... <laughs> We'll see when uh, actual Easter rolls around if Robbie's going to do the, uh, what was the Orthodox? Oh, Great Lent. Great Lent. Yeah, we'll see if you're up for Great Lent. Yeah. <laughs> this year. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh. And, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So this is uh, season five, episode 22. So we start in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really start in Mexico City. We start in the area that will become Mexico City. Yeah. Because we are going back to the 1500s. That's right. Um, the uh, At the time, the Spanish had a number of missions and missionaries in Mexico. And their job was to uh, convert the indigenous peoples which in that area i believe in the episode they said the aztecs if i'm wrong please throw a rock at me because that, that would be very embarrassing because i just watched the episode i believe anyway, that's what they said um, yes so you may proceed and uh i i mean i was just in mexico city i do believe it was founded by the aztecs <laughs> i was just there okay anyway uh so so this guy, 1531, his name's Juan Diego, which is probably not the name his mother gave him, considering he was uh, born an Aztec and converted to Christianity. Um, he uh, he's uh, he's going off to church. Juan is, and um, he starts walking by this hill, and um, you know, as these things go in the Bible, he hears his name called and summoned you know to the area and and suddenly he sees this radiant image of uh the virgin mary and what is interesting here um in the re in the unsolved mysteries reenactment of this of this guy juan having this vision is that the virgin mary uh in his painting in his uh, description is um she looks like a to me she looked like an indigenous woman hmm. definitely mm-hmm. um you know what i would say sort of his uh, hispanic isn't the right word she looks like an indigenous mexican yeah does that make sense yeah i want to say hispanic that's not correct <laughs> so she looks like an indigenous person which i thought you know i don't know much about the original uh apparition of the virgin de guadalupe who's i'm who who is i'm talking who we are talking about jesus christ what is wrong with me i can't talk right now the virgin de guadalupe apparently appeared as a uh indigenous woman to juan yes i guess robbie i mean is that do you know anything about the uh she wasn't a white woman is what i'm trying to say Well, I mean, I don't know about the actual, again, the actual apparition. I I can say from the reenactment 
Um, I very much got the uh, idea that, yes, she's from Mesoamerica, not from like Spain Mm -hmm. or Europe. Um, Though. Yeah. Yeah. Though I don't know. I mean, I guess I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Or or what if what, what they're trying to go for is that she's like they're trying to make her look Middle Eastern. Um, mm, definitely not the vibe I was getting. Not, no, but I mean, no, no, I, that would have been the most accurate, the, right? the most accurate. But, but I think the thing is, is it kind of like um, I get the idea of, of like her looking like Hispanic, uh, not her, not Hispanic, indigenous. Mm-hmm. Um, it sort of conveys the idea that her and her son are universal and not confined to like mm-hmm. a specific indigenous, uh, sp- specific ethnic group. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why we're struggling so hard on the words here. I think it's indigenous. <laughs> is really yes. A lot of hard consonant sounds tripping us up right now. Okay, so so the Virgin Mary appears to Juan. She tells Juan that she wants there a te- there to be a temple built um, on Tapiak Hill, um, and she said, "Okay, go tell the bishop." And so Juan, you know, he's he's feeling crazy right now, and he runs into Mexico City because uh, this is on the outskirts of Mexico City. It was a much mm-hmm. smaller city at the time. Goes into Mexico City, um, and he goes to meet with the bishop, and um, he tells the bishop that, you know, he, he saw the Virgin Mary, and that the Virgin Mary wants a temple on the hill, and the bishop is, like, skeptical, and then he's like, well, you know, all right, bring me some proof that's what you saw. So, um, he, uh, Juan goes back home. And uh, the next day, his uh, his uncle gets sick. And so he goes to get a priest to administer the last rites. Because I guess, you know, back then you get a cough or you have diarrhea. You're you're goner, right? <laughs> Got to get the priest. <laughs> and, yeah. It's... And um, a long way to get the priest. Guess who shows up again? It's the Virgin Mary. And she tells Juan that no priest is needed and that the uncle would be healed. And... Juan says, hey, listen, Virgin Mary, I, the bishop needs some evidence. And, um, and then so, so the Virgin Mary says, okay, well, there's this rose bush over here, go over there and cut the flowers and, uh, bring those to the bishop. And, you know, this is the middle of winter. It's freaking December of 1531. What flowers could there possibly be? But lo and behold, Juan goes up the hill. He finds a rose bush. He fills his uh, cactus cloth. The cactus cloth portion of this, I think, is probably the most important detail. Because right now I'm just telling a folk story, yeah. basically. Um, so hang on to the cactus cloth. And so Juan fills his cactus cloth cape with the roses. and It's called a tilma? Yeah, it's called a tilma. Yeah, yeah it's a peasant's cape made of cactus cloth. To me, it looked like tilma. the reenactor had the bed sheets from his bed tied around him but <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so uh in very dramatic fashion in the reenactment juan goes back to the bishop in mexico city and um we guess don't really know what happened with the uncle i don't know anyway um so <laughs> juan like in the reenactment he just like unloads all these flowers at the bishop's feet and lo and behold they're on the tilma is an uh, image of the virgin mary Mm-hmm. where the flowers had been and um 
And then Unsolved Mysteries kind of ends that portion of the segment by saying, uh, after Juan had these visions, millions of, uh, and you know, Aztecs and other indigenous peoples converted to Roman Catholicism in just three years after that. So, I, you know, I think there were probably other factors at play, <laughs> if I had to guess why they did that. Yeah, I, Not just Juan and his magic cape, but... Are you saying that institutions that were uh, uh, shaping uh, behavior eventually shaped beliefs? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's what they do. Uh, and <laughs> so anyway, uh, a church got or a shrine, uh, and now it's a massive uh, temple complex. Uh, was built on a Tepe- Tepeyac Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, the image is still there if you want to go look at it. The church is called Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's um, the ch- the shrine itself is in Mexico City, and you can go visit and. Millions of, uh, what do you call them, pilgrims do that every year. So this is up there with the miracles of Medjugorje and then something that happened in Portugal that we talked about <laughs> that I don't quite remember. Yeah. Uh, Etc. So in the, in the mid-70s, some quote-unquote scientists were able to go and um, look at the image. And what's remarkable about it is that the cloth is still very much intact and the the paint or the image from 1531 um, has virtually no fading cracks or damage to the image of the Virgin Mary itself. Now, apparently some radiant lines were added in the uh, 17th century to the image. Mm. And and that paint that that was later added is now, you know, cracking and peeling and stuff. And so the other thing about the cactus cloth is that other images have been duplicated and put on that kind of material and they quickly become, you know, moldy and covered in fungus and kind of deteriorate pretty quickly. So I guess that Tilma cloth is like not very resilient to that sort of thing, the way maybe like canvas or even um, wool or something would be. Um, so anyway, that's the story of the version of Guadalupe. Hmm. And, uh, I, no one has any answers, basically. I mean, it seems pretty clear that, uh, someone painted it. (laughs) 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 I mean, I don't think that's really in question. Like... Um, it's more that it had, how well it's preserved seems to be the mystery here. So. It's interesting. We we have some sort of they have various guests on to offer sort mm. of uh, opposing interpretations. Uh, one guest they have on is James Randy. Wait, the amazing Randy? Yes. Oh, I didn't re- I didn't recognize him as you the didn't amazing re- Randy. You didn't recognize him. I didn't. I didn't recognize him. That makes me so sad. Oh man, I perked up, picked up right. Uh, well, I mean, at first, like when they had him on, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, yeah, this is a uh, this uh, of, that's of a get." That's yeah. And wow. Yeah, he was the I one. I just I didn't realize it was like the amazing Randy. Right, and honestly, okay. all pretty much all the guests they had on in this segment. Like physically, they all kind of look alike old yeah, white men with beards, yeah. <laughs> with white beards. Yeah, they're, they're just so- old dudes with beards and glasses, basically. 
<laughs> right. You, like physically, like from an appearance perspective, you could interchange any of them out and no one would notice. So I, I can't blame you too much for not not immediately. Uh, uh, but yeah, he he was the he's the one who's like, look, I have a piece of cloth made out of cactus stuff from Peru or wherever it was. And maybe it's a different type of cactus, so that could be a point. But if you put it underneath a glass surface where it's protected from the elements, uh, mine is like 600 years old and it still looks fine. Um, And so, but then we we have the opposing view of a Dr. Philip S. Callahan, Mm -hmm. uh, who's listed as a biophotonetics photonetics expert and um it is clear this guy is a true believer because in all the parts where he's interviewed his eyes are open so wide and he is just like you know he is he is just absolutely adamant that this was a miracle you know made uh manifest into reality because God controls everything and God made this thing to happen. The end. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you, if people listening don't know who the amazing Randy is, there's like, you should go look that up. So, um, it's ostensibly, yeah, he was, he is a magician, but he's also a skeptic. So yeah, like he's the guy pulling back the curtain. Um, one of the things that was really interesting to me though, is that, when I started uh, reading, I, d- I decided to do the R word research <laughs> oh. on this whole uh, Virgin de Guadalupe painting because I, I I had been in Mexico City and I was in a couple of cathedrals there. I didn't make it to that one. So I did not see this in person, which is a shame because okay. now if I had known, I would have tried to make it happen. But um, the uh, interesting thing is, is that the Catholic Church has a... Uh, method of verifying true quote-unquote Marian apparitions. Hmm. That's what it's called. Uh, there's been a handful of them through that have been ver- verified by the Catholic Church throughout history, and this is different than having, like, say, like a Weeping Mary statue. That's a different kind of phenomenon than ha- seeing the Virgin Mary appear as an apparition in front of you. Okay. Totally different thing, according to the Catholic church. And their, their verification process is called, um, all right. So I'm going to read a bit from Wikipedia. Cause I thought this was interesting. In 1978, the congregation for the doctrine of the faith promulgated the currently used investigation guidelines in a document entitled norms of the congregation for proceeding and judging alleged apparitions and revelations better known as normae congregationis a shortening of its latin title so there's like a whole team of folks with a policy document in the vatican that can come by and tell you if your shit is real or not <laughs> that's like a whole criteria that sounds kind of cool I know, and it's different than your regular mi- mi- uh, miracles this is about apparitions and yeah supernatural phenomenon i guess yeah i i I feel like that's a lot they probably have a lot more rigorous standards than the producers of this show have had in some of the previous (laughs) seasons (laughs) i bet you know i bet they do because remember going back a couple episodes when there was that possession situation Mm -hmm. and 
the Catholic Church was like, no, this isn't real. <laughs> they just didn't deal with it. Right. <laughs> so Can't blame them for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a... Uh, boy, they really were the original bureaucracy, weren't they? Catholic Church. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Robbie, the reason I wanted to talk about this... I, you know, a little behind the scenes for the uh, listeners is that usually before we start recording an episode of Reenacted, Robbie and I text each other to see who wants to take which segment. Lately, I've been pretty um, apoplectic about all of them, but I really wanted to talk about the Virgin de Guadalupe because, um, as I've mentioned three times already, I was recently in Mexico City and at the main cathedral on the Zocalo, so the big one in, uh, Centro Historico, I took a lot of pictures of the church and the interior of the cathedral. And um, when I was just, just last week, I got into my pictures that I'd taken because I'd taken them on like a professional camera uh, without a tripod, importantly. And I finally started looking through them. And one of the things I noticed is that there's a statue of sort of a, not a crucifix, but a slumped leaning Christ uh, at the center altar of this cathedral. And unlike any of the other photos of the interior of the cathedral, which was obviously in low lighting, all of my pictures of the slumped Christ were blurry. So I had clear shots of everything else, but just that every time I tried to photograph that statue, there was about three different pictures I took of it from different angles um they were all blurry and i was like weird because i knew this virgin de guadalupe segment was coming up and i was like i have an unsolved mystery you do (laughs) yeah um but uh amazing randy style dave came through and he looked at the shutter speed and how that was different because it was set on auto of the camera and the shutter speed was much slower when pointed (laughs) at uh that image of Christ. Therefore it was a blurry image because of camera shake. And that's how science works guys. It wasn't (laughs) an unsolved mystery at all. Yes. Science bitch. You know, sometimes when you just look a little harder, things can be explained. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for that illuminating example of, yeah, you're welcome. Everyone. Uh, should we talk about some more Jesus stuff? (laughs) Let's talk about some more Jesus stuff. It's funny you should talk about images <laughs> because mm. our next segment is very much about images. Um, yeah. It's about 15 paintings um, to, uh, by an artist named Ben Stahl. And mm-hmm. they, I guess they depict the, the entire course of the crucifixion. Um, and the, this, these paintings have been missing because they were stolen. So the the segments mm-hmm. wanting uh, trying to get them back. We get mm-hmm. we get Robert Stack walking through a art gallery, uh, mm. not uh, not to introduce a terrifying night gallery story, <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I guess obviously related to the subject matter of the segment. Um, he discusses. How uh, Ben Stahl, at the time of the recording of this segment, is already deceased. And it's just Mm -hmm. his children are like, hey, we'd really like it if these paintings our father really poured his heart and soul into would be uh, returned. 
Um, we get a we get a little uh, background on Ben Stahl, uh, some some of his other works. I guess apparently Norman Rockwell wrote him a letter once. An unsolved wow. unsolved mysteries. They 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 chose the most excessively pray, praise heavy paragraph to quote like the rest of us are just illustrators but you are among the masters and i am filled with admiration hmm. then there's also uh below that there's a paragraph that reads of course it goes without saying i also thank you for the copy of blackbeard's ghost not only superbly illustrated to you by you but also written by you so apparently ben Stahl has has a uh had a writing background as well huh yeah. What a man. What an yeah. artist. <laughs> what an artist, indeed. We we get to see a lot of those paintings, too, at least photographs of the paintings, because they've been stolen. Right. You can't see them. Um, what did you, like, think about them? They're um, obviously a lot, uh, a lot more artistic skill than I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they... Um, I think they 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 uh they spoke of someone who um uh was probably a person of either deep profound faith or when the Catholic Church commission <laughs> press commissioned him to produce the <laughs> These paintings was uh, uh, inspired enough, uh, enough at least to 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 create them. Um, I mean, they're 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 they seem to depict the the sort of standard stuff we get, you know, um, carrying the cross, uh, being crucified. <laughs> it's it's what you would expect from from some crucifixion yeah. paintings, right? The use the use <laughs> the the use. So they were stolen out of a museum, is that right? There was like a little tiny museum that was housing the paintings. At first, I was a little bit confused um, because uh, the one of the sons was talking about their father was a very trusting guy. Um, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just leave the doors unlocked mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything. Uh and um, at some point, someone had entered the museum and had absconded away with all the the paintings. And mm-hmm. I guess, um, I mean, they kind of hint that maybe it was someone with some level of inside knowledge, um, because the people who did this, they, they talk about how instead of like just ripping the paintings out. The people who did this like took a lot of time. They were individually mm-hmm. removing the staples. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, they, they, I think they said they, their, their estimate was like it would have taken them like four hours to accomplish that. Which mm-hmm. I imagine for most people breaking in somewhere to steal something, like every moment's got to feel like an eternity. So right. So the fact that like. <laughs> That 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 you're spending four hours seems to suggest that at the very least they had some assurance they weren't going to be disturbed or something. Get a re- little reenactment of like three guys. One of them uses a crowbar to open up a door. They're all wearing sort of black or gray. They walk in, whereas they previously in the seg- segment they said 
uh, you know, people would come in, look at the paintings, would remove the tears, you know, tears coming from their eyes. I imagine these guys had dollar signs on their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boom. Roasted. What happened afterwards was the Sarasota police. uh, Sarasota. Yeah. Uh, Law enforcement were contacted anonymously by a priest Mm -hmm. who recounts Mm -hmm. being contacted. uh, We get a little reenactment of a a priest that kind of looks like the co-worker of Chevy Chase from Christmas Vacation. If he gained like <laughs> an extra 30 pounds and aged another uh-huh. 20 years. Um, and there's this long haired, obviously, you know, criminal guy sitting in the pew uh, who's like, hey, father. And he turns like, you want you want to buy some paintings? Paintings? Yeah, paintings. And the guy's like, you mean the Sarasota paintings? And the guy was, you know, basically gives the, the like, you know, the the sort of typical ransom sort of uh, um, details. And but then apparently this priest that anonymously contacted the uh, law enforcement uh, stopped contacting them, broke off contact, mm-hmm. which. I don't know. To me, suggest. I mean, if you were an actual priest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't. I mean, you're 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 already in the chain of command. You, like, you can get a hold of the the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If this was just some yeah, you know, yeah, yo yo who was like, hey, I'm gonna call and say I'm you know create this story or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the story doesn't make a ton of sense because what it supposes is that the one of the thieves wandered into, I don't know, a random Catholic church, <laughs> demanded ransom of a million dollars for the paintings from a random Catholic priest like they would care. <laughs> right. First of all, why would the church care? Do you know what I mean? Like they commissioned the paintings. They were in a separate museum. They don't have anything to do with them. Other than the paintings are of Jesus, I get. I, I guess this is a good point. This was like, this was this is artwork they 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 paid to just sort of have like made, and it, mm-hmm. this isn't like you know an actual relic or yeah or I mean like I mean I imagine they would be a lot more um upset if it was like the the like the uh, the virgin of guadalupe on cactus print right taken away with yeah yeah they definitely want that back but i just like i don't know how successful this thief if this is the true story it makes me think the thief was the one calling the authorities pretending to be the priest that had talked to the thief ah trying to muddy the waters so to throw them off his trail despite the fact that that story doesn't make any sense (laughs) right (laughs) Um, and yeah, the, we don't get much to the segment beyond that. Just that, um, the, the update was that, uh, letting us know the statute of limitations has run out on the theft. So anyone who might've 
unknowingly bought the stolen paintings, wink, 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 <laughs> is in no danger of prosecution. Okay. Well, um, un- uh, completely unrelated to that, I have to go make a phone call real quick. Okay. Uh, should I just leave my thing on recording? I'm not sure. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, just leave that, and then when I'm done with making that completely unrelated phone call, we'll come back and keep recording. Sounds good. Robbie, it was a bit. Do you oh. want to talk about David Hurley? Oh, my God. Okay, I thought I was just going to be sitting here for a few... No, oh, see, boy. the joke was that I was the person who had the paintings, and that I was going to go make a quick phone call because the statute of limitations had run out. Okay, I... I um... <laughs> I would have caught on to that quicker, Crystal, except I, I was looking down at the time on my laptop, uh-huh. and it said 2 p.m., and you had uh-huh. said there was some guy coming over to do coming something. The, well, the guy coming about the thing is coming later, so it's fine. Oh. And that is, that is wink, 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 not related at all to these Ben Stahl paintings. Yes, no, no, no. definitely no. don't have possession of. N- neither of us are in any way involved uh, with this. Not that we'd have to be if the Statue of Limitations was out. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Spectacular. Um. We get an update on a lost love, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Who um, cares? Yeah. Uh, Crystal. Yeah. You, you want to talk about, you want to tell, talk about some motorcycles? So Tom Roche and Barbara Ron, Ronda, Ren, Rondo, mm-hmm. Rond, Randall, I don't know. Anyway, they live in Burbank. It's cool. Um, and they are hardcore biker lifestyle people, um, you know, and, uh, they, there's a lot of zooming around <laughs> in this segment Vroom. and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Tom was supposed to start a job on Monday, September 16th. He got a exciting new, um, management position with the company that plated aircraft parts which makes sense because there is in fact an airport in burbank if you can believe that uh Mm. okay but three days before the monday he was supposed to start he drops barbara off at work and they make plans for for he's going to come back at lunch and um he doesn't call he doesn't come home after work she hasn't heard from him she found the front door unlocked uh, which was strange. I don't know, but maybe someone just left it unlocked. Uh, you know, all the stuff that uh, Tom had planned to do that day was kind of just left sitting around. Um, the answering machine was off, which I don't. What? <laughs> what that, I don't know what that means. Unsolved mystery seems to mean it, it suggests that he was planning to stay home most of the day. So. I don't, I don't know. Can you just right? leave your answering machine on all the? Th- I mean, I realize it's yeah. It's, it's one of the classic ones with the the cassette tapes in. Right. Um. I mean, who was messing with their answering machine that much, other than to like listen to messages and then delete them? I yeah, I feel like it would have made it unnecessarily complicated to to be turning yeah. on and remembering off. to yeah switching on and off. Yeah. Um. So Barbara 
basically doesn't know what to do. And so the next day she files a missing persons report. And, um, you know, first, the according to Barbara, first the police are like, you know, well, maybe he just left you. And Barbara's like, yeah, but he like left all of his stuff. And I feel like he would have at least announced I'm leaving you. Hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't feel like he would have just ghosted me. I think he would have just said this is over and I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Barbara's out there. She's putting out the missing persons flyers. Um, then so he disappeared on the 13th. Uh, six days after that, uh, Barbara gets a letter from his alleged killer in the mail. And uh, the letter actually included some of Tom's personal belongings. And um, should I read it? It's kind of creepy. Yeah, sure. I'm intrigued. It's just kind of a poor image, but I'm going to blow it up a little bit. I don't have my glasses on, but here we go. Okay, so this is the so, so this is the letter from the alleged killer. It says, I'm suffering a great deal of guilt right now about what I have done, and I feel it is necessary to write about it for my sake and yours. You don't know me, and hopefully you never will, but I am the one who killed Tom Roche. I cannot and will not go to jail. I could never handle it. I almost lost my mind. Never again. I loved being in Vietnam. In fact, those were the happiest days of my life. I felt such a rush whenever I had a confirmed kill, and it was hard to switch it off when I came back to the States. For... um, That's illegible. For long... For... 13 long years i have held this in check despite the nightmares and fantasies about killing this jeffrey dahmer thing really got to me and i wondered if i could still do it i figured la would be the best bless best place for what i had in mind i did not want just a random thing because you can get caught that way so i set up a plan i met tom and a strip joint in the valley and got to talking and then it's that's not the whole entire letter but is it Huh. Uh, okay, I don't know. That's that's that. Okay. Uh, super creepy. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, in the reenactment, the uh, uh, the reenactress, like when she gets the letter and she's reading it, she looks just incredibly distraught. Which I would imagine right. if I got I that sort of letter, yeah, that's that's uh, if, yeah. I, I one couldn't fault Barbara from you know just like feeling pretty torn up if they got something so just nasty. Right. Yeah. And then um later on in the letter, not the part that I just read, um, the the person states, I'm very sorry for what I have done. I know that in I know that in time the guilt will leave me and so will your pain. Um so yeah, no fingerprints on the letter. Um, they don't have a body. Um, so, you know, I was starting to wonder because when the segment first started, it was an unexplained death. And I was wondering why it wasn't a missing missing persons. Yeah. Um, because uh, here's what happens next. Um, a bunch of remains were found in Placer County, which is pretty f- far north of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a wooded area. It's on the way. If you're going from the Bay Area to Lake Tahoe, it's kind of on the way up there. That's where Placer County is located. It's in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada. And they, uh, you know, at some point, a hiker or the authorities came across some human remains and a bunch of items, which, again, Unsolved Mysteries shows us, uh, 
of you know, there's like a Van Nuys Harley Davidson shirt. There's a bunch of other stuff. There's glasses that look like Tom's. And Barbara was able to confirm uh, at that time that those items had belonged to Tom. Um, and so where the original segment ends, Unsolved Mysteries is saying, you know, the remains, the bones are due to be DNA tested. And um, then, you know, we'll find out if it was Tom or not. And so, in fact, it was... Uh, Tom's remains and he had been killed by a gunshot wound and so we have every reason to think that the letter was accurate it wasn't a sick joke it was from the killer uh possibly a serial killer so that's fun yeah um, I, I got in a guy who apparently wanted to engage in cannibalism if I'm guessing, if I'm understanding correctly what he was I saying I don't there. know what the, the allusion to Jeffrey Dahmer's about yeah, that was that was because th oh, there was a lot more going on with Jeffrey Dahmer than just killing dudes, right? Like a lot more, like yeah. a lot more. There was so, a, yeah, but that was definitely in the news in the early nineties around this time. So um, I'm well, thinking maybe it's just this guy saw that Jeffrey Dahmer got away with it for such a long period of time, and um. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, this is like real serial killer shit and they never caught the guy and they have no idea who it was. So I think um, it's uh, at the very least uh, uh, shows Barbara was right that like she was like when she was like, he wouldn't just leave. He would at least like, you know, tell me he's leaving. Uh, mm -hmm. And Unsolved Mysteries did put forward the uh, one of the scenarios they put forward was like well maybe he just left and they yeah they have that little um uh bit of a guy in a they depict you know tom riding on a motorcycle passing the la cityscape and when they when they drop that idea like oh tom just maybe he just decided to go you know leave they they drop that sax saxophone type music plays for the whole remainder of the segment <laughs> if you notice yeah i mean that was an interesting editorial choice <laughs> right. to mysteries but mm. you know i was just thinking if if we were the type of podcast uh that did this sort of thing you know actually tried to solve a crime yeah um i think this might be a good uh good candidate you, you think so you think we uh think we could uh, uh -huh. We we could we could actually piece it together. I think we could because I think you know I think there's a lot of clues here uh, and clues given in the letter, presuming this person was being honest. And I'm not sure why they would have sent the letter unless they were uh, wanting to be honest. Um, there's certain typos and things, mm -hmm. uh, speech patterns, weird spacing in the letter. We know they served in Vietnam. We know they had confirmed kills. We know that they probably reside somewhere around Placer County. <laughs> I mean, if you start getting into like service records and stuff, you could probably like zero in on a few suspects. Are you are are you suggesting that we uh, we both become Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie Zodiac? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm suggesting is we just become a, a couple of uh, regular true crime podcasters. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think, uh, I think there's 
it seems so little has been done here other than confirming it was Tom's remains with so much physical evidence. I'm not really sure why things haven't been weren't pursued more at the time, especially having the attention of unsolved mysteries. It's not it's that just a bit strange to me. That's all. Yeah. There's not that many people in, in Placerville, at least comparatively speaking to LA. We could probably Yeah. Well, this person implies that they came to LA. They were not from here. Oh. And then why would they just dump the body in Placer County? I mean, like Yeah. There's a lot of information in that letter and I guess the police feel like it's more confusing than helpful, but you know. So Perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Well I'm not gonna we're not gonna solve any crimes on this podcast. I'm just saying if we were, I'd okay. probably go for go for that one. Well, speaking of crimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I guess really can be a segue for half of the segments on the show (laughs) um we got uh, someone who at the point of the the initial filming of this segment was most definitively murdered this takes us to was it turtles creek in pennsylvania yeah to meet david hurley and his wife pam yep um get a little reenactment of david uh, coming into the bedroom and uh, crawling on top of his wife to in bed, waking her up mm-hmm. to let her know that he's going to go get donuts at like one yeah. thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's sometimes fun. it'd be like that. Yeah, you know, get it. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know if you got a hankering for donuts, and if 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 you if you got if there's a place that's going to be open at that time, you're probably mm-hmm. going to have to get some really good quality donuts. You know what's freaking open at that time is Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh. That's where David was going. We've all been cooped up inside for a little bit, and I got my donkeys, and I'm ready to vote for Joe Biden, but I wish I was voting for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, so, but then we get in the reenactment, it fades to black and then fades back in. Stack reveals that about an hour and a half later, uh, uh, Pam was waking up because her, her husband is like, Pam? Pam, can you come downstairs? Pam? And, like, the way the guy was delivering, like, his voice, <clears throat> I had the distinct feeling that um, when I was first watching the segment, I was like, is is he gonna, is he being held hostage? Like, I thought she was gonna, like, cut leave the bedroom, come downstairs and someone was going to stick a gun in their face real quickly. And he, right. he you know, he's just going to be standing there haplessly with his hands up in the air. Uh, but no, what it, what it turns out is uh, she comes down the stairs and he's like leaning, leaning against the wall. He's like, I've been shot. And we get this reenactment of like when he was uh, out driving, he had, I'm not entirely clear what happened. Like a car sort of mm-hmm. bump into him or did he bump into a car i think the well the way the reenactment looked to me is that a car sideswiped him and moved from their moved from their lane into his lane and sideswiped okay. him yeah and so then he pulled over and the other car pulled over to exchange uh you know information as you do that's what it all seemed like at first yeah. until david walked up to the guy like hey are you 
are you okay, man? What's going on? And the guy just like, what's going? He like seems enraged by the the yeah <laughs> by the 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 question and just punches David and then pulls out a gun and shoots him. Um, yeah, several times. Several times, yeah. like the gun. We hear the gun fire three times, and we get this. I don't know the guy playing David in reenactment. I get that like. The, him trying to like panically like trying to open the door to his truck and get in. Um I don't know, I feel like the the reenactor I didn't buy that he he was someone who had been shot. Like it very much looked mm-hmm. like someone trying to pretend they'd been shot. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, the um later the, the the police are by and one of them's taking a statement from David while the other is uh, while a paramedic is um, uh, putting some patches or gauze or whatever on on, on David, I I guess the they're, they're just trying to get the the very basics of the infill so they can before they send David to the hospital so he can they can broadcast it to all the units that are still out there in case they come across the car. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like the way David, like in the reenactment, the reenactor. Like is sort of he's just sort of leaning back in his chair, and his reactions to the paramedic are not too dissimilar from if you had told me that like this guy is putting a bandage on him because he he has a slight burn on his shoulder or something, and I don't know maybe that was a conscious editorial decision by Unsolved Mysteries to to lull the viewer into a false confidence. And set them up for the gut punch, uh, so they, you know, so they feel the gut punch that Pam feels when she's describing how they're at the hospital and they went in for surgery, and the doctor comes out early, and Pam was like, "Oh, that that, that must be good. Like it was easier than expected." <laughs> uh, but then the doctor was like, "Yeah, you know, everything seemed to be going." well at first um but then he went into cardiac arrest and died Mm -hmm. yeah that was it's so it's so strange that like immediately after the shooting he kind of just drove home and was totally calm and then a couple hours later he's dead like that's really surreal right right do you are you thinking that maybe there was some medical mishap that happened in the operating room <laughs> yeah i mean obviously they didn't catch the internal bleeding that was yeah. going on oh okay. so yeah, yeah there's that but it's also like you know he was probably just in shock and mm-hmm. i think sometimes when people go into shock they can appear very calm and collected and they have so much adrenaline going on that um they just can seem okay and adrenaline's you know a pain reliever as well and then it you know it's not until later it's clear that how serious the injuries were but it's it's totally surreal i think yeah sort of the circumstances around this yeah yeah it just uh well I, we can we can definitely forgive his wife for like thinking like oh he's gonna be fine and yeah know, like yeah and not not thinking the worst when the doctor comes out early and and, and stuff yeah yeah terrible tragedy yeah, and and no suspects. No suspects. <laughs> no updates. Nope. 
No updates, no suspects, no nothing. Lesson so. learned from here is if someone uh, get in a sideswipe situation, just don't stop the swap insurance info. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess not. You know, as somebody who was recently in a, a similar kind of car accident, it is a little. It is a little terrifying beyond just having been in an accident. Like, is this person going to shoot me? Yeah. And that is something that was running through my mind as I crossed the street to try and exchange information with, with um, the people who were in, the other people who were involved in the car accident. So, yeah. Well, it's just, I'm assuming they didn't try to shoot you. So they didn't No, It was just a bunch of young kids that were scared. And also the accident was hundred percent the other driver's fault. Okay. So I was just trying to get insurance info and get the hell out of there. And they were being pretty hysterical. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, my, my dad's gonna kill me. Yeah, that's <laughs> what was happening. A lot of crying. Calling mom, saying I'm sorry. Yep, that's what was going on. Oh so, boy. And I was like, can I just get the insurance info and we can, you can take pictures and we can leave. Like, can we get this over with? And it was just, the histrionics were something else. They probably thought they were gonna get shot. Honestly, this is LA. So yeah. maybe they thought we were coming over there. I was just like, can we just get on with this please um but yeah it's just um that's the fear we all live with i think driving around in this country <laughs> right <laughs> uh, well uh, anyway hey robbie if people want to get in touch with us how can they do that uh go to twitter reenacted at reenacted pod send us an email reenacted pod at gmail.com if you swing by patreon we have a one dollar tier that if you uh, feel so inclined to give us a dollar a month it will help recoup uh, some of the technical expenses involved with these this program and uh, yeah i know it sounds unprofessional but it actually costs money to be this unprofessional <laughs> yes and if you're in the higher five dollar tier and haven't given us our your address for mailing purposes please do because i can mail yeah. some stuff to you i swear to yeah. god i swear to god i swear to god it's not my dirty underwear um <laughs> <laughs> so page so patreon.com slash reenacted pod if anybody wants to do that yeah. um we're still we're creeping up towards our 90 uh reviews on itunes we are limit we're, on, we're not there yet but mm. if you can go leave us a you know you have to put words in there and please be nice and uh you have to give us uh either your call sign or your name and we're going to do a random drawing once we get to uh, 90 reviews on itunes and um send you a little something if you're still listening at this point <laughs> in uh this part of the apocalypse uh that we're now in um robbie <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, happy new year to everyone, I guess. Hopefully this one will be better. It probably won't be, but <laughs> entirely um, could be worse. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that, but it could be. Yeah. Uh, Hey man, do you want to do the thing? Join me next week. Perhaps you hold that crucial clue, which could help solve a mystery.